So today is week four. Jeez, my, my ability to add those high numbers is incredible. Like my, my greatness knows no bounds. Um, jeez, four. I'm pretty sure it is four, isn't it? Anyone else? No one else is adding, are they? No one has a clue. It's week four in the Big Brother house, and no one knows what day it is. It is week four. It's, no, she's saying week three just to mess with me. It's not week three. We did Hulk, we did Wonder Woman, and we did Thor and Superman. Yeah, nice one. Today is Storm, yes. Yeah, so that's week four in the Big Brother house, and Storm is being evicted. We're talking about Storm, which is brilliant. I love Storm. Storm is probably one of my favourite super, well, heroines, heroes, whatevs. Um, she's amazing. She's really cool. She's probably my favourite X-Man, X-Woman, even though they're the X-Men. But, yeah, what is with that? Why isn't it the X-People? That's what I want to know. It's not like there's, like, she's the only woman in the X-Men. The village people. X-People. I don't know. It's, it's a bit messed up for me, man. Someone needs to fix that. But, yeah, she's pretty much my favourite... Uh, character in the X-Men Wolverine's cool actually Gambit as well I love Gambit but what is with the films man they just bun that guy they do not have any respect for Gambit yeah the guy who throws the cards in the cartoon do you remember the cartoon growing up yeah and they blow up yeah 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 Oh, that was my ringtone back in the day when ringtones weren't able to be. I had that, I had that Nokia. What is it? The the banana one. So I had that ring, man. I've still, I actually couldn't throw that phone away. It's in a drawer somewhere. Are they? Yeah, yeah, the Matrix one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Hashtag winning. Gonna find that today. <laughs> you threw it away. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, she didn't. The reason I know the reason I know she hasn't thrown it away is there's this one set of drawers that's brown that has all my stuff in, and there's nothing of yours in there. So next week, next week. Mary's in. Next week I'll be next week I'll be testifying and I'll be standing here with that phone. Cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's alright. She don't need those Jimmy Chews. They gone go. So yeah, so that's cool. So that's gone. I had that phone and it had that ringtone. And it did matter, but doesn't now. Father God, no, I'm joking. Um, yeah, so we're looking at Storm today. And Storm's story, I wasn't really aware too much about the story behind that kind of character, but mum was like this princess in, I think, Kenya or something like that. Dad was American. She was born in America, but the parents, dad did some international job, moved to Cairo in Egypt. And when she was five, a plane crashed into their house, killing the parents, and she was left under the rubble um, close to her mum. And because of that, apparently she's like claustrophobic. Um, because of that kind of that, that, that scarring and so she had none of those powers and stuff going on at that point she ends up becoming like a bit of an Oliver Twist character she's out like stealing and teething things to survive as a child and later on in her life she decides to kind of try and reconnect with her she does Roots the TV series she tries to connect with her Roots so starts travelling south through Africa from uh, Cairo and Egypt 
she eventually finds her way like in the Sahara where she nearly dies uh, of, of like starvation and, and, and there being like, like no water, you know, Sahara Desert and all that jazz. And then she kind of starts finding out about her powers, which helps her survive. She makes it to Kenya. In Kenya, she's seen not only as kind of like royalty, but she eventually gets seen because of her powers as being like a goddess. And that's kind of cue a few other stuff that happens. But that's where she meets Professor X, who kind of teaches her in Kenya, um, you're not a goddess. This is what's going on. This whole mutant kind of thing that's taking on inside of you. And actually, you should join the X-Men and use the powers that you have to contribute to a better society and to help people and to be beneficial. And what I loved about Storm's story is that before her powers already developed, she was going through the storm. She was weathering the storms of life before she had the ability to do anything at all with the weather. And one of the things that struck me when I looked into her story this week was, if you want to grow into a hero, you've got to start to learn to weather the storm today. So that was a long way down the line before she ever did anything heroic in her story. In her childhood, it had all this baggage and mental scarring and all this horrific stuff that went on and everything that would kind of say she would be a write-off. But instead, inside of her pain, she weathered that storm and became someone great, someone who would save the world on many an occasion. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at one chapter of the Bible in Matthew's Gospel. So if you've got your Bibles on your phone, whatever, uh, Matthew chapter 8 is the chapter we're going we're gonna to go through. There's so much in here. So this is kind of, this week is really all going to be about faith. When he, Jesus, came down from the mountain, great, count, cl- uh, great clouds, great crowds followed him. The clouds followed behind. Storm got her in my head. Um, and behold, a leper came to him, knelt down before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I will be clean. Immediately his leprosy left and he was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests, offer the gift of Moses commanded of proof to them. He carries on. And when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled, hey, hashtag marvel, and said to those who followed him, truly I say to you, no one with such faith have I found in Israel. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand. And the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening, though, um, they brought many to him who were oppressed with demons, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And now we're going to skip just past a little bit, down to verse 23. And this is the next bit we're going to read. The part before that is just about... 
um, the call to follow him and leaving everything behind and that is a high price um, but that's not going to be the focus of our talk but we totally recognise that's, that's legit and that's true and it is a high price following Jesus um, when he got into the boat his disciples followed him and behold there came a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves but he was asleep and they went and they woke him saying save us Lord we are perishing and he said to them why are you afraid oh you have little faith then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm and the men marveled saying what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him so I wanted to read through that pretty much most of chapter 8 skipping out a couple bits but the reason I wanted to kind of really focus in on, 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 on so much of that, that passage was I didn't want to just look at the story of, of the waves uh, and the sea being calmed and Jesus speaking because like that's totally where we're going to go because we are looking at storm today, which just makes sense. But actually, the context is so key here, the context of what happens here. Because I believe when we look at those stories straight in a line, all together, there's intentionality in the writer in putting them all together. And I think for you and for me, it's going to be really important because actually, like I prayed before we started this service, we've all come from different places this week. We've all got different stuff going on in our lives. And every one of us is in a unique position right now that needs to connect with God. And what I love before we even get to the storm and we get to the lesson the disciples are going to learn in the midst of the storm, before that, we see really ordinary folk having their own encounters with Jesus, which would transform their lives. So... What we see is, first off, we see a leper. We see someone who lives on a colony away from anyone. We see a guy who'd have to wear a bell. We we see someone who no one could have physical touch with. No one would touch that person. They would be so excluded and marginalized. And the first thing Jesus does is he touches him and he makes him whole. What I love about that is actually I can think of different timelines in my life where I've been in the different categories of the different people in this story. There's been times when I've felt really on the outside looking in and feeling separated, disconnected and and lonely and isolated and marginalized. And that's what this leper feels. Jesus heals the leper. Then we see the Roman centurion. Now this guy is really unique, but actually I can, I, I can really connect with his story as well because we connect with him and how he's talking to Jesus and the story and Jesus says he has more faith than anyone in Israel. And that's a crazy offensive passage because actually this man is the oppressor. He is the oppressor of their people. They are under the rule of the Romans. And so for the fact that a Roman centurion would come to Jesus and Jesus would treat the Roman centurion as he would any person in Israel and offers healing to that person is a crazy story. It shows you those on the beaten end, the leper, rejected as an outcast, receives healing and mercy from Jesus. The oppressor, the school bully, the wrongdoer, he receives mercy from Jesus. So it doesn't matter which scale you are, whether you're conservative or whether you're labor. It doesn't matter which end of the scale you are. You can be DUP, whatever. You would be Lib Dem. You couldn't be UKIP because I didn't get any seats. But you could be anywhere across the boundary. You could be anywhere within society. You could be any type of person. And Jesus would bring healing. And this is such an offensive, offensive passage. Like, it's crazy. No one would touch them. They wouldn't touch them. They wouldn't know the touch of a human being. They'd be humiliated to wear a bell to make sure no one went near them. And yet Jesus reaches out and touches and healing heals them. The oppressor of their people, the one that is pillaging your nation, pillaging and holding you down, Jesus lavishes grace upon. 
And for you and I, we look at that thousands of years later, so you and I, I don't have the same rage within us as we read this text. But when people would have heard this is what Jesus was doing, there's a good reason people would want this guy dead. Because you are just messing with the whole scale and everything. And Jesus is still doing that today. And if I look at my timeline, I've been the wrongdoer where I've really hurt people in church, out of church, whatever. I have treated people badly at times. And God lavished his grace upon me. I've been the victim. And he lavished his grace upon me. And maybe we may be coming today from one of those two sides of the scale. But either way, I believe Jesus wants to lavish his grace. But then... You think like it couldn't get worse. You couldn't get worse than a leper in his isolation and a Roman centurion. But then we have the mother-in-law. Oh my word. Like this is where Jesus steps in and takes on inherent evil face to face. The mother-in-law. He lavishes grace on the mother-in-law. I mean, that was a moment where I, I literally shut my Bible. I, I mean, I was like that, that meme. I was like, bruh. Like, <laughs> really? Like Jesus' grace extends to the mother-in-law. Oh my days. This is... I'm not sure I want to be a Christian anymore, Lord. I'm not, no, I'm joking. But, but it's crazy. And that's there in the passage as well. I mean, it can't get any worse than that. So his disciples have seen this picture of all that in society we kind of draw some lines on. And Jesus goes way past those lines. But then it comes to the point in Matthew um, 8 verse 18 where it says he ordered them to the other side. So he says, we have to go across. We're going to be going across in this boat. And it says he ordered them. You can imagine there might have been a couple among them that might not have wanted to get in that boat. And with good reason, because a couple of the disciples, they're, they're fishermen. And so those fishermen, they may have like, they may have looked out of that sky and gone like, Jesus, I'm not going to lie. I know it looks good out there, but I'm telling you, I've been doing fishing for a long time. And now is not the time to go across to the other side. So it says he ordered them. There was no exception. There was no room for their opinion. It was we are going. And then you can imagine being on that boat and then he goes to sleep like I cannot think anything more vexing than you not wanting to be on a boat knowing that this storm was coming Jesus has forced you onto the storm because like Hogan Jesus knows best and you are now in this boat and the storm looks like it is going to kill you and drown the ship and he's asleep downstairs I cannot think of anything that would be more irritating for me if I were a disciple I would be like are you kidding me You are trying to kill me and you are taking a nap. No, you are taking something else and I am not having it. And so there's this moment, they're ordered to the other side. The disciples follow him. The storm came. The waves were swamping the boat, smashing it about the place. And Jesus is asleep. And then in verse 25, they wake Jesus up saying, save us, we're all going to die. Jesus' response is like an absolute boast. He says, why are you afraid, O men of little faith? He then rebuked the storm and there was great calm. They marveled saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? So we started off looking at storm and then we looked at the different types of people that God lavishes his grace on, which you and I fall into those different categories as we move through the ages of our lives. Then we come to a position where they're actually in a physical storm, not in a metaphorical storm of like going through a crisis in your life. And even in this, so the progression of the passage goes, the outcast, the bully, inherent evil, the mother-in-law. And then finally, it comes to the very rules of nature and physics itself. 
And Jesus shows that faith in him sees you through each of them. So it doesn't matter if the empire strikes back. His faith, will see, faith in him will see you through. It doesn't matter if you're an outcast on the bottom end of society with no hope. Faith will see you through. It doesn't matter about the mother-in-law, inherent evil in your life. Faith will see you through. It doesn't matter if the whole universe, physics and nature is against you. Faith in Jesus can see you through. But the most relatable part of this whole passage to me is Jesus asleep in the boat. It's totally relatable for me. You know, over the years, I can think of times where I've gone, Jesus, we're going to lose this house. We can't pay this mortgage. We are absolutely screwed. And you know what? When I've been praying like that to Jesus, do you know what it felt like? It felt like he's asleep in the boat while I'm going through the storm. And I'll tell you what, it ticks you off every single time. The times in my life where... Man, my dad, I remember my dad having a heart attack at church on a Sunday night and I'm feeling I'm going to lose my dad. And I remember praying then, and I tell you what, when I prayed then, I didn't feel this absolute peace and calm, like everything's going to be okay. All I felt was like, you are asleep in the boat again and I cannot believe it. How could you let this happen on your watch? Well, even at church, like, are you kidding me? We are at church. You could have had a heart attack anywhere and you've had it on the Sunday night service. I'm putting my dad in the recovery position. You've got to be kidding me, Jesus. You're asleep in the boat again. How many times am I going to have to wake you the heck up? And then I can think about other times in my life, relationships, like coming into marriage for the first time. Everyone does all this preparation for you, but you don't realize what a selfish git you are. And then you have to stare that in the face and you realize, oh man, I really am a jerk. I didn't believe it. (laughs) Amen, exactly. And you find out so quickly. You find out so quickly. And then you have a kid and you realize you're even more of a jerk than you thought you were when you got married. Because you've got to die again so that they can live. And it's mental. It's absolutely mental. But along the way, all sorts of different things happen. And you feel like, I'm going to die. I can't take this anymore. The waves are just swallowing me. They are drowning me. I don't know how to control the storm. And so... I'm praying and I'm praying, but all I feel like is just Jesus is asleep. And what I want to encourage you guys with today is that it may feel like Jesus is asleep, but it's because he's totally got this. And whether it's because you're at the bottom end, being oppressed, faith will see you through. Whether you are the oppressor, there's forgiveness and grace and empowering and healing for you as well, and faith will see you through. I've been both of those. Whether you're inherent evil, and you become a mother or a father-in-law, faith will heal you. Even though you have become an inherent evil to someone else, faith will still heal you. And then when the very universe feels like it's against you and the world is on your shoulders and your business and everything about you is crumbling, faith will see you through. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And when we pray, I want to encourage you guys to, to pray to him, but to insert your storm here. So when you talk to him, you can think of what your storm is right now or what storm you see coming from a distance or you may be lucky and today your son where you get to come to church and go whew thank God that's over woohoo in the bag we got through that storm God's been good to me this has happened you could be in any of those three places but insert the storm you've just gone through the storm that's approaching or the storm you're in right now and talk to him about it you may feel like he's asleep but I promise you he's here he's listening and he will see you through It is time, my brothers and sisters, not to be woken up by the alarming circumstance of life, but to hit the snooze and rest in Christ. Everything about you might be shouting alarm bells. Snooze. Chill. Rest in Him. He's got you.
be people of faith. I'm just going to pray for us and then that'll be it for today. Father God, I thank you that each and every single one of us is going through so many different kinds of things. Some of us are seeing a storm coming our way. Some of us are in the middle of a storm right now. And some of us have just come out of a storm and have so much to be thankful about. But Lord God, I thank you that though it may appear that it feels like you're asleep in the middle of our storm and everything is perishing around us, we can know that you've got this. Father, we thank you that whether we are the victim, faith will see us through, just like the leper. Heal us and bring us back into the community and we won't be isolated and alone anymore. And for those of us here, God, who can kind of realize, actually, you know what? I'm being pretty much a douche to someone right now and I'm really being oppressive. May we receive that healing that sets us free from that position because we are just as bound by it as the other person, that we may be alive in Christ and not be like that. Would you bring that healing to us, Lord? Um, Father, maybe we have come to a place in our lives where things are so dark it feels like we are inherently evil, but actually you still lavish your healing grace upon us. Heal us, I pray. And Father, for those of us in the storm right now who feel like you are asleep, may we know that you are alive, you are resurrected, you are living and forever living to make intercession for us. And may we know that and may we be empowered and emboldened by it. In Jesus' name, amen.